0: You guys know the scene from the Hulk, right? I love the line where he's like, it's not in that movie, but where he's like, my secret is that I'm always angry, right? Like, you guys know that iconic line of the Incredible Hulk and his crazy temper. How many of you guys would say that you have a pretty bad temper? Any bad tempers? And that, whoa, there's a lot of you. I better stay away from you guys because you look mean. Yeah, some of us could have bad tempers. Most of us, if we're caught in the right moment can have a bad temper, right? It's hard to control some of the things that we say. And when we're emotional or upset, uh uh-oh, like that filter that's supposed to be there to stop all the bad stuff from coming out just disappears, right? And then you say all sorts of things that you don't mean to say or wouldn't choose to say if you were of the right mind, right? So your temper can really change the way you talk and interact with people. And so as we're still walking through this series, asking for a friend and James is trying to help us learn some things about the Christian life that we might be too scared to ask otherwise. Tonight, we're on a passage where he's going to talk to us about the way we interact with each other when we're kind of angry. <laughs> like when we want to fight, when we want to de- like argue or debate or there's conflict. Did you know that it's okay for us to argue? Did you know that it's okay for us to not agree on everything? Like, that's all right. But God has laid out a way for us to be able to do that in a healthy way that honors him. And that's where James is taking us tonight. Now, when I was a little kid, I had a temper. Uh, My sister had a worse temper. She was my big sister. I told you guys stories about how she tortured me my whole life, right? And so growing up, my parents went away one night. It was dinner time. They went out to dinner, a little fancy thing with my parents. And they left me home with my sister who was supposed to watch me. And that never went well, because that just meant torture for me, right? She's just going to mess with me the whole night. So we're sitting there, and we're eating. My mom left a spaghetti to heat up, so we're eating our spaghetti. And I was tired. I was just like, we had played hard that day, and I'm just kind of slurping the old spaghetti. You ever slurped your spaghetti? It's so satisfying. You just take it and you do that. I love to slurp my spaghetti, and my sister hates it when I slurp. She thinks it's disgusting, and she was like, stop. She told me like five times. So you stop that right now, and she was scary. But I was like, no. I just kept doing it, and finally she like got in my face. So I just looked her right back in the face, and I took a big old thing of spaghetti, and I was just like, <laughs> right in her face, and like splattered just a little bit on her cheek. It was. Bad, so the next thing that I knew was my head was spinning around, because my sister just reached out, and was like, smack, straight across my face, and I was just like, I had no idea what happened, I was just so angry, immediately, my temper just snapped, my sister jumps up, we, we both did martial arts growing up, like, we were in all, like, karate classes and stuff, so we were both like, hi like, immediately, we were gonna fight, like, real ninjas, you know, and so, before you know it, I did this, this isn't me at the exact time, but I did one of these, hey, pop that one picture up, yeah, that was me, That is me, by the way, but later when I was growing up, I did one of those flying sidekicks at my sister in the kitchen. She jumps out of the way, and my foot gets lodged about this high into our wall, right? And then my body just kind of (laughs) goes, and I'm just like hanging by a leg in the wall. It was the most humiliating moment, but it was worse When Linda Jones got home, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Because Linda Jones doesn't need to flying sidekick you. She has this wooden paddle that was like this long, it felt like. And it said spanky on it because it was used to spank my behind and then a big frowny face. And that's what I knew was coming when I messed up. So my sister was so kind, she just left me hanging in the wall until Linda got a hold of me later, right? It's important to control (laughs) your temper. Take it from me. It's so important but it's hard to do on our own if I were just to ask you if you're a person who has a bad temper I was like just do it you know just change your behavior control your temper you probably couldn't do it it's really hard to do on your own and so God does this really cool thing and he offers us help with our tempers He offers us the supernatural power that we can have through him that will help us be able to respond correctly in moments like those. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit within us that can help us do that. So James urges us. He says, hey, be slow to get angry. Don't be like the Incredible Hulk. Oh, you can take that down. Uh, Don't be like me, like throwing sidekicks at your sister. Don't ever do that. That's messed up. But I didn't know at the time. But you can still be angry. You can still debate. You can still argue. Those are still things you can do, but you need to do it in the power of the Lord. And so there's a difference. So read with me. Let's jump into James chapter 1. We're verses 19 to 21 tonight. There's three verses. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, that I means humility, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He has to start off by saying, hey, know this. It's like this. this is, he's like yelling it like, hey, don't miss this. And he says, my beloved brothers, he's not trying to be mean right now. He's not trying to like point in your face and be like, you're such a jerk. You know, be nice to people. It's not what James is doing. He's like, I love you, right? Because I love you, you have to hear this. Don't miss out on this. I love it because right away, it's almost like we're disagreeing with him. We're in a disagreement. And he's showing us how to do it well. He's calling our attention and he's reminding us how much he loves us. What an awesome way. To have conflict with someone. There's somebody in your life right now, you're thinking, like, man, I just don't agree. I'm so mad at them. I wonder what would happen if you stopped and you're like, Can I just talk to you for a second? Listen, I really love you, but I need to talk to you about something. How different might that go than some of the other ways we handle it when we're upset? Right? It works a lot better than a flying sidekick. I guarantee you that. Still have (laughs) the evidence from Linda to prove it. All right. So Know this, my beloved brothers. Are you ready? That's kind of what he's asking you. Like, are you ready for this? I'm about to tell you a big thing. So do I have your attention? Like, are you listening? That's what he's trying to say here. So tonight, I I wonder how many of you guys, are you ready tonight? You're ready to receive what the Lord has for you, even if it's something you don't want to do. Like, I don't want you to talk to me tonight about being nice to people. I'm just so mad, you know, like, don't bring that over here right now. But maybe God's actually stopping you because you're in that moment tonight. Maybe he's called James tonight for you to hear James' words. Who's like, hey, listen, you ready for this? I got a word from the Lord for you. James really wants you to hear this. And so here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, feel free to do that. The first thing I want you to write down is, Exchange a quick mouth for quick ears. You know, you can have quick ears. It's weird to think your ears can't like run around. (laughs) That's kind of weird. But like you can have quick ears, James says. Exchange a quick mouth for quick ears. So here's what he says. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. I was coaching. I used to coach soccer a, a while back. And we were at one point pretty good and at most points pretty bad. And so we were losing this one game really, really, really badly, and parents were getting loud from the stands, like they're upset that we're losing. So they're yelling at referees, they're yelling at everybody, and they're definitely yelling at the coaches, like all their opinions about us and about what we should be doing. And you're a coach, you're standing on the sideline five feet away from the stands, you can hear parents, you can hear fans who are upset. And I'm just getting fed up because I'm trying to coach a game and actually win this thing, and all I can hear is like Margie's dad in the back, just like, blah, blah. and I'm like, and she's not a real person, and she wasn't on the team, but you get my point, right? So all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder, and I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> like immediately, Ugh. and I hear, "Hey, coach," Ugh. you know, I make the fist, and I'm like. Ugh. I'm either going to punch you or bite you. I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm really mad. Don't bring me another complaint right now. So I turn around and immediately, before hearing a word they said, I look at this parent and I say, uh, "We don't need any more advice. Thank you. Just let us coach the game." And they just look back at me and their face dropped. And they didn't say anything, but behind their back, they had a hand and like, I "Hope that's not a gun." You know, <laughs> drive by coach and it pull. Up. It's a present. Wrapped nicely with this big bow that says to Coach Jones (laughs) right at the top. And I'm like, oh, no. And they say, no, no, no comments. Just wanted to give you this and say how grateful we are for you being our coach. I felt this big. Like if I had just shut my mouth and listened for two seconds, I wouldn't have just yelled at this person who was trying to give me a gift and tell me how great they thought I was. I felt so horrible because I spoke before I heard. And that's exactly what James wants us to not do. How many times have you guys done that, right? It's probably with your parents or a sibling, most likely, right? That you respond before you even know what's happening. And your response is just filled with anger and there's no filter. And all of a sudden you realize that's not what they were going to say at all. Like, man, if I had just listened First, how quickly are you to listen, to hear someone else's point of view, even if you don't agree with their point of view? Someone that you know, everything they say right now, I'm totally going to disagree with. I know it at the core of my being, right? But yet, I'll still take the time and say, let me hear you out first. Let me hear first what you have to say before I open my mouth. That's how God would have us interact with people we disagree with. How God would have us disagree and even argue and even debate over things by having quick ears and slow mouths that we don't respond out of impulse and anger and emotion, but instead we calmly listen. And that's the next thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Stay calm and trust Jesus. (laughs) It says this, the next four words, and slow to anger. Those are four really important words in this passage. Slow to anger. Don't just have quick ears and a slow mouth. But even when you hear them say the things that you do disagree with, or maybe that even hurt your feelings, that you wouldn't be a person to immediately snap like me or like the Incredible Hulk and just be like, ah! You know, I'm just going to just jump on this topic right now and just destroy your world. Instead, I'd be slow to anger. I would stay calm, and I would just trust Jesus you know, why I say trust Jesus, why well, I think that's important here is because if you try to do it by yourself, it's going to probably not work. But if you're replacing your strength with saying, no matter what you say to me, I know what Jesus says about me. No matter what I disagree with about your comments or whatever you're trying to tell me here, I can look to Jesus and trust him because I know what he says about me. And really, that, that's what's important. And Not how bad of a coach you think I am or the things that you want me to do or what my downfalls are. That's fine. But my identity isn't in what you have to tell me. It's in Jesus. And so I don't have to have my world like destroyed by your comments because I think you define me. You don't. Jesus does. So say your worst and I'm going to keep trusting Jesus because he's going to keep me calm right now because I know my value. I know what Jesus says about me and he loves me. And he thinks I'm precious enough to die on a cross for me. And so I'm able to use the the power that Jesus gives me when I trust in him to stay calm and to just be slow to anger. The cool thing about this is that as James is writing it, I know James had to have been thinking about his brother, Jesus. Remember, James's brother was Jesus, his half brother. And so as he's telling us, hey, be slow to anger, I bet you. James's mind was going to the cross. It was remembering what Jesus did and how he acted as people ripped his beard out, as they spat on him, as they insulted him and beat him and took a whip that tore his skin off of his body. His brother who hung on a cross, they put nails through his hands and feet and he hung there and suffered and bled. All while the crowd made fun mocked him, and you know what? He never once responded in anger through that entire time. And I bet James's mind was there thinking about how his brother Jesus responded and was slow to anger, even in that, even on the cross. Jesus could have just just destroyed them with his words. He could have destroyed them with a lot more, and he didn't. He took it. He was patient. Matthew 27, 12 to 14 actually tells us this isn't on the cross, but this is just in another example of Jesus' patience. It says, but when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. He gave some snarky comment back to them. And then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they're testifying against you? But he gave him no answer not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. As Pilate is asking him these questions, like, listen, don't you hear what's being said about you? This is some nasty stuff. You got nothing to respond with? Jesus is like, nope. And of all people, the perfect son of God had every right to set them straight, and he didn't. And so I bet you James was thinking about his brother Jesus in this moment when he looks at us and he's like, hey, be slow to anger. If you don't know how to, look to Jesus. Think about your Savior, who you've trusted in, who you've placed your faith in. Think about Jesus on that cross and his patience and say, Lord Jesus, give me that same patience. Not natural patience. We're asking for supernatural patience. It doesn't come from us. It comes from above. It comes through the Holy Spirit living in you to cause you to say, this is so hard right now. I just want to punch this person square in the nose. But if you trust in the spirit, he will give you the strength and the power to be slow to anger. Now, some of us do this, and I've heard lots of Christians do this, especially on social media. We love to say, like, well, it's righteous anger, you know? Like, it's holy anger. Like, I'm doing this, it's out of love, I swear. And I'm just blasting them because they need to hear it. And it's just righteous Anger, I hear that phrase as an excuse so often to just be ugly and go on a tirade and rant about people and destroy people with your words. And it's not righteous anger at all. Look what James says next. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When we try to, when we respond in our own flesh, in our anger, thinking we're gonna set them straight, Man, how many Christians are getting online right now? Like I read on social media all the time. These Christians who are going to save everybody by getting on there and just being ugly. Just blasting people they don't agree with. Pick the topic. Whatever topic you want to talk about right now, it's probably out there to argue about. And you could get on there and just start blasting people, even other Christians. I hear pastors blasting pastors and churches, blasting churches. And they say, it's righteous anger. I'm setting them straight. They were wrong. They're not right. The, the things that they're talking about online are just, they're, they're wrong and immoral. And so my solution is to be a total jerk to them because that's going to fix it. That's not at all what James says to do here. He says that your anger and your flesh does not produce the righteousness of God. Don't masquerade it around like you're doing God some favor if you're being angry out of your flesh. That's sin. But there is a way to be angry, and there is a way to go up against things you don't agree with that are wrong, but not in your own flesh. That's not the way to do it. James highlights this difference between God's anger and our anger, and, and, and it does exist. This righteous anger is when we speak truth out of love. But in the moment, it's hard to know if you're doing that. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you think you are, like, oh, I'm on this, like, crusade for Jesus. And you might have even, like, gotten in an argument with a friend over Christianity, and you're, like, trying to argue with them. And you just, you kind of see your own emotion taking over the argument. And all of a sudden, you're saying things you probably know that you really shouldn't say. But if you look actually at your heart and go, hey, do I have a deeper love for this person when I'm done with this conversation than when we started The things that I say to them, do I walk away loving them more because I brought these things up? Or am I more upset and angry and just full of like this horrible emotion when I walk away from them? Or do I love them more with a deeper love? Is it creating patience in me? Is it creating kindness? Is it creating love, the fruit of the Spirit? Is it coming out of me because of this conversation? Is it the Holy Spirit showing up in the way we're interacting right now over this topic? Because if it's not, then it's probably not the anger of God producing righteousness in you or these fruits of the spirit. Instead, it's probably your own flesh, just angry, wanting someone to agree with you. And it doesn't matter how great your platform is. You know, the thing you're fighting for could be awesome, but you're going to ruin it in the way you fight for it. Unless you trust in Jesus and you use this, this anger that comes from Jesus that produces righteousness in your heart an anger that loves that person you're talking to more than winning the argument. That your goal would be that they know Jesus better because you guys talked. That you might have a deeper relationship and friendship with this person that you even disagree with and might still disagree with at the end of the conversation, right? But you guys became better friends through this debate that you just had, this disagreement that you were in. That's how God's plan for disagreement plays out, as opposed to ours that wrecks relationships, makes you walk away hating that person and them hating you. God has a way to use disagreement to actually bring us closer to each other and to him. Here's how you know it looks like Jesus on the cross. As you stand there and hear what they're saying to you, and you're enduring it with patience and love, And responding that way, it looks like our Jesus who was hanging on that cross, being tortured and beaten and murdered, and his only response was love. He didn't cuss at him and swear and tell him off and bring down angels to blow him up. He just took it with love and patience. If the way you respond looks like Jesus on the cross, you know you're on the right path in the way you're handling that disagreement. So James says this next. He says, therefore, that's a big word, right? It's connecting these two big ideas together. So how is it connected to what comes next? Let's look. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. He already knows. He knows what's gonna come out of our mouths if we don't have the filter, right? If we don't have the Holy Spirit filtering what we're saying, he knows that we're gonna have filthiness and rampant wickedness coming out. We're gonna say all sorts of vile things that we don't really wanna say to this person. Our emotions are gonna drive it and we're gonna just reflexively snap back at them and defend ourselves. And so he says, put it away. Replace it. Take this off and replace it with the love of Jesus. Remember whose identity you have. That he's taken his identity and wrapped it around you. That's who you are now. You belong to Christ. So if you're taking notes, here's the next thing to write down. We're being like Jesus. humility, makes it possible. You might even be thinking right now, like, I know myself. (laughs) The next person that comes up and gets in my face is probably going to get punched. Like, I just know me. I know my anger. I know my temper. Just wondering, how can this be possible? And here's the key, humility. You know, when we see Jesus on the cross, what we see is the illustration of humility. God himself saying, I don't value myself more than you right now. I'll give up my life so you can have life. Look at Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Here's where it said. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Like, don't do anything looking at yourself first. Rather, in humility. There it is. In humility. How do we do it? Look, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others you look at that person you're arguing with and you say, I value you more than my own interests. I care about you right now. And you might be saying all sorts of junk to me. You might be wanting to throw hands, but you know what? I'm gonna respond and say, I love you. More than this argument, more than being right and winning, the thing I want you to know when you walk away from me is that I love you and so does Jesus. And if we don't end up agreeing on anything, if I totally lose this argument 100%, at least you'll walk away knowing I love you and so does Jesus and then I know I won (laughs) because that's really what I want. That's humility. That's humility. Jesus was showing us how to do that on the cross. You value that person more than your own interests. The next thing, the last thing I want you to write down is this. The power is in the word. If the humility is your own, it's not going to last. It's going to fade away. But when humility comes from a better place, from the Holy Spirit inside of you, it doesn't go away. There's an endless source coming from the Holy Spirit in you. The power is in the word. Here's what James says. The implanted word, he calls it. Like it's coming from God's word and it's not just his word, but it's, it has to be implanted in you. That as you sit and you read God's word, you spend time reading God's word. Do you do that? Do you make, make it a priority in your life to read God's word and to learn about him? Because if you don't do that, then you've already lost. But you don't just read it, you let Him speak to you through it. You open up your heart and say, God, teach me what I need to change. I know I'm not perfect. I know I have things I need to change in me. Lord, go ahead and do some work. And then when He does, you let Him plant it deep in your heart by practicing it. You say, Okay, God. (laughs) This is what you've told me. This is what you put in my heart. I'm going to go out and do it. I'm not going to just hear it and be like, that's really good. I love it. I wrote it in my journal. And then you kind of toss it to the side and then go do the exact same thing. You go, that's good. I need it. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to obey you, Jesus. And as you do that, God plants his word deep in your heart. Are you spending time with Jesus? You can't expect to act like him and live like him if you're not spending any time with him. And I know there's lots of stuff you guys can spend your time in. Some of you guys might be bored this summer, like, I got nothing to do. And others are like, I'm so busy because it's summer. No matter where you're at in that spectrum, you're never too busy or too bored to need to spend time with Jesus first. Spending time with Jesus dictates how the rest of your day is going to go, how you're going to change, how you're going to grow, who you're going to be. Spend time with Jesus, even if it means saying no to some things in your life. Canceling some appointments, dropping some hobbies or sports so that you can make the time to say, I am not going to be too busy to spend time with the most important person in my life. I'm opening the word and spending time in prayer. I'm going to memorize some scripture and I'm going to spend time with Jesus and then obey him when he speaks to me. That's how this word gets lodged deep into your heart and it changes your life. Listen, if you're not doing that, you're missing out. If you think you're a Christian and you claim to be a Christian and you're not doing that, you're not even experiencing any of the Christian life because that's where it starts. The power that comes through God starts there. Some of you might be like, I got saved, but it's kind of like just "Eh, just this thing. I don't really see God working in my life. My question would be, how much time are you spending with him? Most likely your answer is zero or very little. Because as you spend time with Jesus, things happen. I can testify to that personally. As you spend time with Jesus, things happen in your life. Power comes through that. If you're bored with your Christian walk, it's because you're not spending time with Jesus. Open up his word and walk with him. Pray to him and spend some time with him. This implanted word, as he says, <laughs> is able to save your souls. This isn't just some book. It's not just some literature that will make you behave better. This is something that will change your life. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is able to change your life for all of eternity. This is the most powerful book you've ever read that the Holy Spirit, God himself takes and changes your life with. Are you trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do that in you? Now, listen, as we've kind of talked about this, how do we debate each other? How do we disagree with each other tonight? We recognize all the different things out there that we could disagree on right now probably in this very room, there are so many things that we would just, we say it and it would just spark this like nasty debate, even in this room of people who are probably similar minded. It's so important, especially today, to know how to do this in a way that honors God and to not back off. The world needs you to speak. The world needs to hear your voice full of the words of Jesus, not just your opinion. to broadcast it out there so people can hear truth. But they need you to do it in a way that honors God in the way that the Lord designed you to do it. Patience and love, slow to anger, looking to Jesus for your identity. Now listen, people no longer converse this way. I mean, that's been my experience. Even Christians have kind of lost the art of being able to disagree and talk about something. Like it just turns into a fight. We could bring up gender identity. Race issues, abortion, the legality of drugs, the environment, and the climate change. So many things on this list we could put out there right now that would just spark debates. And you know what a lot of people are thinking because of the way Christians are debating? The church doesn't love me, the church is my enemy. All they do is bash me because I believe this or identify this way and so the church must hate me. They must be my enemy. You know why? Because all they hear are the Christians that are out there just blasting people with horrible words instead of using what James says is the way that we should be confronting people with love. And here's why they believe that. They believe that if you don't agree with them, you must not love them. But I'm here to tell you tonight that's not true. Love can and often does disagree, right? You can love someone and disagree with them at the same time. And again, think about Jesus on the cross. Do you think he agreed? But yet he responded with such love. James wants us to patiently look, following Jesus Christ's example in the way we talk to people. You don't have to choose between truth and love. You don't have to just say, fine, I agree with you so that you love me and think I'm, you know, a nice person. You don't have to do that. You can still disagree and stand in truth and say, I don't agree with you, but I do love you. And I do still respect you as a person and I still want to be your friend. Let's disagree and keep talking about this in a way that shows respect and love because true love always wants to bring truth. You don't ever let, if you really love someone, you don't let them just hurl off a cliff and destroy themselves. You don't let someone live in lies and find destruction. You love them enough to say, stop, don't go there. You love them enough to speak truth. Love speaks truth, but from a place of kindness, a place of patience, and a place that comes from Jesus Christ himself when he hung on that cross and showed us this unbelievable humility that we need to be able to do this. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? For some of you, this might be like such a hot topic. You might be thinking right now of all the conversations you've had lately that have just ended so poorly and maybe in anger. And this message tonight is not designed to bring shame to you or make you feel guilty. But I do hope that we come with hearts open enough to say, God, I haven't done this right. So here's what I wanna ask you to do right now during this next song. Will you just ask the Lord, get your heart prepared and say, God, do I need to change the way I do this? Am I truly trusting Jesus to speak truth or am I just being shy and getting away from arguments because I'm running from them? Or do I need to have boldness to speak truth? maybe you need to ask God, man, am I not, am I not speaking out of love? In, in the way I'm speaking, are people being offended and getting blasted by my words and comments? Or do I really, really love them and want them to know you? We just ask God to just make that clear to you right now.